Welcome back to Around the Farm. I'm your host, Clint Chaffer, and we're going to be talking about all things ag. Last time we talked, we were just entering planting season. And to be quite frank, we're still kind of in planting season today. Uh, heck, even on our farm, uh, I think we're sitting at uh, 60% done on corn, and it's it's almost the 1st of June at this point. So what we're going to be doing, we're going to move into the growing season, and we're going to start talking about uh, some of the technologies and, and talking with guests about how we can assess how planting ended up going uh, and, and really start looking ahead to say, how can we keep the crop that's out there that's growing, how can we keep it healthy and, uh, and make sure that we're, we're optimizing that yield, working our, our way through the growing season all the way into harvest. Today, we're going to be talking about how we can use high-resolution drone imagery to really assess how planting has been going, what decisions that we need to make as it relates to replant, as we look at how our crop is growing throughout the season, and even whether or not we need to spray due to weed pressure as well. And with me today is uh, is our guest, uh, Chris from Sentara. And uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Clint. Like Clint said, I'm Chris Polson. I'm one of the co-founders of Sentara. So Sentara is really an analytics company. We take high-resolution imagery, whether that comes from manned aircraft, satellite, or drones, and make sense of it. So we're really focused on the outcomes to really help farmers and agronomists at co-ops make in-season actual decisions that are actually impactful to their bottom line. Yeah, and Chris, I mean, you have a you have a really in-depth background uh, within agriculture as well. How about, uh, how about you share a little bit of that with the listeners? Yeah, that's just a fancy way of saying, man, you've done a lot of things. You're a... a you know, jack of all trades and a master of none uh, with my background. So a little bit on me. I grew up on a family farm in rural North Dakota where my family still farms. Uh, they farm about 4,000 acres of row crop. Went to North Dakota State University uh, where I got a degree in agriculture economics. I've always been very passionate about agriculture. So I've actually started a few different agriculture-related businesses over the course of my career, uh, whether that was from being a seed dealer. Uh, we sold crop insurance. We also did fertilizer. You know, we also started a technology company that utilized remote sensing or drones to make sense of the data. We sold all those businesses, and then I, myself, with a handful of other individuals, actually started Sentara back in 2014, and I've been with the company ever since. So you go from selling seed to selling crop insurance to now you get to play with drones on a daily basis. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good little change of pace there. Uh, you know, it's not bad. It's not bad. No, it's... um. You know, I've been passionate about technology and agriculture for a really long time. Um, was always the person, you know, very early on that wanted to make sure that the the yield maps were accurate, the as-planted data was in there. Uh, we actually used a lot of the technology that's still around today, uh, kind of in the early ages when things were had a few more humps and bumps in it. Um, so it's, it's really rewarding. Uh, I really enjoy the technology, but really what it's about for myself and Sentara as well is, we really are focused on feeding and fueling uh, a growing global uh, population. So, so one thing I have to ask, though, I mean, especially around the drone side, have you ever crashed one? <laughs> if you've met someone who's been in this industry for more than a couple years and they tell you that they haven't, they're probably lying to you. <laughs> um, not recently, honestly. The, this technology has gotten very reliable, very robust. But, man, in the early ages, five, six years ago, yeah, not so much. And we had a few what I'll call oopses. 
Well, you know, I've mentioned uh, uh, Dad and I having a Phantom Four at home, and I've I've used your software to uh, to fly that. And uh, it, what, what's amazing is, I mean, anymore, it's it's all hands free, right? Um, I mean, you just you really don't even need to touch a controller at all. It's unbelievable. It's push button easy. Uh, I remember my grandpa was. I don't know, 92 at the time. Uh, I was still on the family farm and uh, never used any technology ever. He he never even used email, didn't have a smartphone. And I was telling him what I did. And he just said, well, what do one of those doohickeys really do? And I said, come out, I'll show you. So we went out to the edge of the field right outside of his farmyard. And I showed him how to fly a drone no joke in five minutes, and he could do it on it by himself. And I mean, that just is a testament to how easy this stuff has really gotten. And you know, everyone always thinks you're going out there using the remote controller, and you know, it's the wild, wild west. It's really not. It's just another app on your phone. That is that is a great story. Uh, it's just uh, exciting to see where this technology is going, and uh, and and where it's going to be. You know, heck, five, ten years down the line, I think it's even going to be more exciting yet. So, absolutely. So we're talking about, you know, let's let's kind of jump into some of the issues that uh, that we've seen this year so far. Uh, I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, planting has just been a, a grind this year uh, for a, for a lot of folks within the Midwest. You know, our our family farm included. Uh, where can where can drone technology? really jump in and and really help out, you know, to, to really assess what do I need to do? You know, do I need to replant? Do I need to, what are those things that it, that it can help me decide after this kind of a, of a planting season? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I should start off by, I don't think we can help the Schaffer farm because that's God's country. And it's all candy <laughs> ground. But everyone else, uh, there's definitely some things that we can do. Um, so, you know, honestly, you know, I'm not going to candy coat it. We're having a challenging spring across this nation. I mean, I, I get the opportunity with the role that I have at Sentara to talk to a bunch of different people all across really North America. And there's a reoccurring theme. Um, it's been wet, it's been cold, and planting's been delayed. And, you know, with that, you're going to start to see stand establishment issues, early weed pressure coming into fields where the fields might not be suitable yet for a sprayer. So some of the technology that we've created at Sentara is the ability to go out and accurately count stand on an acre-by-acre basis. And you get a simple to look at, easy-to-digest report that just basically says, this is what I got and this is what I can do. Um, same thing with weeds. We can show you where the weeds are, how dense it is, you know, where the weed pressure is. So you can make informed decisions in real time on what's going on on those acres. And, you know, it's kind of a, maybe a, not the right word to say, but prevent plant is starting to be more and more talked about. And the ability for, you know, growers, agronomists to go out there and actually assess the acres that weren't planted and have to have an insurance claim done. There's easy to use tools out on the market today that can easily measure that, quantify it, and help you make good decisions and, and be good stewards to report the right stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you talk about just some of the the emergence and stand, and uh, Dad and I were out in our fields here this past weekend, and and really anywhere where there was water standing, even just for a very short amount of time, our emergence is is nil to none, right? And and I think there are going to be a lot of those areas, even outside of our normal ponding areas, right? Just because we have had such an abundance of uh, of rainfall this year, that I think we're going to need to start determining: do we need to go out and and replant? 
Uh, and, and I know to date when we're doing those stand counts, uh, it's, it's him and I out there with probably two different sizes of shoes, <laughs> right? <laughs> Walking our, our steps to, to, to try counting how many, uh, are in, uh, you know, in each acre and, uh, and really doing that from a small subset of, of data points, right? Uh, we're not walking our whole fields. That's, that's for sure. How does, how does flying a drone and, and doing the stand count, how do, how do I know that the, the accuracy is there? Uh, and what kind of time am I taking to, to really fly, let's say, an 80-acre field at that point? Yeah, you know, those are a lot of really great questions and points. Um, you know, I, in my background, I actually forgot to mention it. I also farmed for 10 years. So when we build products and I talk about them, I always put my farmer hat on saying, would I actually use this if I was still actively farming? And this particular product that you're talking about, it's an absolute yes, because... You know, when you're out there and you're you're scouting your field for stand, you're poking into five, six spots, doing exactly what Clint just said. Maybe you have a tape measure or a hula hoop with you to actually get accurate counts. I think those days are, are not over, but there's ways that you can streamline efficiencies. Um, because now in the, about the same amount of time to do that 80-acre field that, you know, you're just referencing, um, you could fly the whole thing and have maybe 100 sample points that have extreme accuracy, and, and I'm always the biggest skeptic. Always, you know, go out, double-check for sure, but, you know, once you get used to the technology and realize that, yes, it is accurate, now you can cover all of your acres and have a really good picture of what's going on so you can actually make sound decisions based off of what's happening today and based off of technology that's helping. So do you end up flying the entire field, Chris, or or are you only pinpointing out, you know, the, the troubled areas and only flying the northwest corner? Uh, what uh, what do you recommend, you know, when we're trying to do those, those stand count assessments there? You know, it's kind of all of the above. You know, it really depends on the situation, right? Just like the way that you're scouting today. I mean, treat it the exact same. I mean, this stuff is... Um, push button easy. If you just want to do the northwest corner, just do the northwest corner. Just push the button and it's done. Or if you're just going to do an assessment of the whole entire field, you can either cover every inch and push a button and it goes, or you could push a button that does a spot scout for you, similar to what you would do with the boots on the ground. Um, it's the same thing, except it'll maybe take 80, 100 sample points and that, you know, 80 acres to 100 acres uh, versus the four to five if you were, you know, walking every acre. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I would imagine, too, that, that, the, that the crop has to be a certain height in order for the sensor or the camera to actually recognize that it's a, that it's a plant. Uh, so where, what, what range can you end up flying that in to, to go out there and, uh, and collect that information? You know, you could really go out there right after emergence. But if you really want to have a good depiction of the overall field, I mean, let's go right back to the spring that we're having. I mean, it's been cold. It's been wet. Some fields were planted on three different dates, you know, from what I've been hearing around the nation. So emergence this year is really uneven compared to years past. So what I always tell people is a good rule of thumb is when the vast majority of your field is roughly V2, and I'm, I'm talking corn here, you know, that's about the ideal time to go out there. It's still early enough you could do something about it, but yet most of those plants that are going to come are going to be out now and we can give you a nice depiction of the field. But it realistically, it can start working really early on all the way up to about canopy. It's just depending on, you know, what you're trying to do with the information. 
So Chris, once once a farmer goes out and collects this data, you know, where are they where are they sending that data? How are they, you know, how are they actually visualizing it at that point? That's really a great question, Clint. Um, you know, at Centera, we really focus on being the best company on the on-field real-time data that helps plug into some digital egg platforms. Uh, one great connection that we have is with Climate Field View. You know, right within there, now the grower has the power to look at their planting maps next to their, you know, yield maps, you know, right next to the stand maps, for example, or their weed maps. With that integration, it's a seamless data flow right there, so you can start driving real-time decisions today. Yeah, I could could see, you know, having the having my population map right up next to a, to a stand count to, to understand, you know, hey, what was the population that I planted, right, uh, versus what is the population that I'm, uh, that I'm you know, seeing now uh, after, after flying that field. I think that would uh, definitely help, uh, help make that replant decision, right, which is not typically an easy, easy decision to make either. These are large dollars. I mean, it's it's ridiculous um, what goes into a crop year in and year out. The average American has no idea. And it's a tough decision. I mean, it's real dollars. It's people's livelihoods that are on the line. And it's not just them making the decision. It's also, you know, the agronomists are coming out. They're helping, you know, who sold me the seed? You know, what digital tools can we use to help make these informed decisions? Um, and that ability, like you said, to view what I put out here, you know, not only from a population standpoint, but what hybrid did I put out here? Um, you know, okay, what emerged? You know, what options do I have? You know, it really helps paint a more holistic picture to make those informed decisions that, you know, are ultimately going to, you know, affect your bottom line. Well, I know moving, you know, out of planting and and once this crop is up and going, I know dad and I are going to be a lot more cognizant of, of what inputs we put into that crop as well, right, from here on out. Um, mainly for the simple fact that we probably feel like our top end yield has has probably been capped already, right, uh, with, with some of the some of the struggles. And I know that uh, one of the other technologies that uh, that you have within Centera is really focused around weeds and and weed pressure within that field. And I know that that uh, that intrigues me with understanding, you know, what program that I can go out uh, to put on either part of the field or the entire field based on what's actually out there in the field. Can you kind of walk us through what does that technology look like, and uh, and where do you really see that going? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a great question and, and a great point, to be honest with you. Not only in the last couple of years with, you know, the economics, the way they are in agriculture, but this year with the weather that we're also having on top of it, people are really trying to figure out, okay, this is what I think my yield potential is. What are the things that are going into this crop, right, to, you know, that we have to do to get to harvest? And, you know, spraying herbicide is, is a big piece of that. And what we've created at Centera is the ability to go out, capture imagery from a drone, and actually map where you have weeds within the field. We can draw bounding boxes around them for you, or you can plug it into a tool like a field view to write a prescription. But what we're enabling the producer or the people at the the agronomy firm that might be custom applying for you to do is possibly just apply where you have weeds and also know where to go scout those weeds where you have higher densities to see what weeds are out there. You know, what modes of action do we have to come with to remedy this problem? Uh, One, the most cost-effective as possible, but making sure that you're being a good steward as well. And in a lot of cases, what people are doing, if they don't want to turn the booms on and off, you know, just to spray where the weeds are, they're adjusting their rates. So maybe they'll bump the rate up where they have high-density weeds, then 
drop it down where there's a lower density of weeds or no weeds just to make sure that they're they're not getting you know more weed escapes because they don't want those weeds to limit their yield but they also don't want to spend extra money where they don't have to and if they could save on cost but still get the same output that's most ideal now i i would assume that that would also kind of drive the adoption or the usage of direct injection systems uh, moving forward on uh, on sprayers i could i could see maybe uh kicking a a certain product in in different areas uh but yet spraying the entire field, right? Yeah, man, you should work for our company and, and do, do the marketing and the pitching, <laughs> man. That'd be great. Uh, no, I mean, all kidding aside, absolutely. No, we, uh, we work with a few different equipment manufacturers around just that, you know, trying to make sure that the equipment and the technology, uh, the analytics that we run around this works seamlessly. So when a grower or a co-op or someone goes out to the field and is actually applying stuff to these acres that it's actually working effectively, that chemistry is getting down the line quick enough to actually hit the areas that it's supposed to. And everyone thinks that that technology is coming. That technology is pretty much here today. Uh, It's been out in the field for at least a year now. So I think that uh, you're going to start to see it be more mainstream and a lot of people gravitating that way because it's a way to still get what you want at the end of the year but maybe not have to spend as much on the front end. Plus, we could be better stewards of the land and not have to over-apply in areas where you know it's probably robbing some yield. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the other the other interesting parts that uh, that I've heard you you know mention a couple times here is the relationship between the farmer, the agronomist, the retailer, wh- whoever whoever really that that team of of folks that that farmer works with. When it really comes to your product, Chris, or maybe just drones, maybe it's a more of a broader question uh, of with the with the entire drone industry. Uh, who's really out there flying? these and and really doing the the operational piece of this you know honestly that's a great question and a lot of people assume that growers do all of this stuff uh, on their own and it's really a team to your point right it's uh, who are my trusted advisors who are helping me throughout the course of the year to make decisions and in the case of our technology a lot of cases it's you know agronomists or it's crop advisors or people at the co-op that are offering this as a service to a grower and helping them decipher the information and, and make sound uh, business decisions. Because, I mean, it's every time a grower makes a decision to put something on the crop or not, there are many, many dollars that go into that decision that could sway either way. So you definitely have to have a team behind you of educated people, experts in the industry to help you make those decisions. So we tried to make sure that we enable the team to make informed decisions, and we um, think that we do a pretty good job of that. Yeah, because I mean, I look at our our own operation, and uh, you know, we, we have a, a retailer do do all of our all of our spraying for us, right? Uh, we always have, and and that's kind of uh, it fits our our operation there. And so, I would really see that our retailer would probably want to be highly involved in, in those types of decisions. So, uh, I can definitely see that, uh, that working into, into that, uh, that, that structure as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, going back to the integration that we have with FieldView, what we're starting to really see is retailers are getting pretty excited when they're utilizing FieldView out in the countryside that this weed technology, the weed mapping that we will do that plugs in, uh, is really helping them 
explain to their growers why they're doing certain things. In the case of your farm where you guys don't spray your own acres, you have the local co-op do it. It's easier for them to show the data, say, hey, this is why we did what we did. Here's the map. This is how we help save you money. And it's really helping tell that story and get to decisions a lot quicker. So it's really been a a nice uh, relationship there. I know that you also, you know, manufacture some some really high end sensors that uh, that get installed on uh, on these drones as well. When we're talking about, you know, really stand count and weed counts, you know, I, I mentioned that that we have a Phantom Four at home, right? Now this is a totally stock out of the box Phantom Four. Uh, do I have to put a specialized sensor on that in order to to get this technology? In, in the case of that technology, no. Um... You know, at Sentara, we we absolutely do create specialty sensors um, that can look at many things, a lot of things that the human eye can't even see. We can decipher that information and, and tell you things. You know, for example, we do some interesting things around nitrogen, in which case, yeah, you would need one of our specialty sensors. But in the case of standing weeds, you don't. We really focus on, and this is me putting my farmer hat back on, um, is what do people have out in the field? How can we be agnostic, work with many different platforms, many different people to try not to disrupt their normal workflow? Like I mentioned before, too, we try to insert ourselves and be helpful to the team that's making the decision. And we try to do that, too, because there's a lot of Phantom 4s out there. So if we can utilize technology that people have already bought, and turn maybe what they thought was going to be a tool, but then turned into a toy. But now we can actually make it that tool that they originally wanted it to be. Um, that's really what we're driving to do. And to go back to the point, um, yeah, our specialty sensors is a big chunk of our business in the right you know place and in the right fit. Uh, once again, those are agnostic. We can mount them on many different things, not just drones, manned aircraft, satellites, etc. Wow. Now, now also, could you step me through? the actual operation of this as far as how fast is this thing flying? What's the what's the height? Because I would imagine uh, I, I probably can't fly just at max height with uh, with my drone, right? I, I would imagine I got to be fairly close. W- w- what does that look like actually out in the field? Easy. I, I mean, in, in one word, easy. Um, so going back to my point earlier, uh, my grandpa, right? push button easy, five minutes, he figured it out. In our app, which is called Field Agent, um, you know, honestly, we have a bunch of presets. You show up to the field, you launch the app like you'd launch any app on your phone. It pops up, what do you want to do? Push the, I want to fly today button. It says, oh, here's the drone that I'm closest to. Yeah, let's connect to that. And then it says, hey, you're in this field. Great. And then it's, what are you flying for today? Stand, weeds, plant health, nitrogen. You click the button. It automatically calculates for you. It says, do you want to take off? Yes. Takes off, flies itself, comes back, lands itself. And then within minutes at the field edge, we've produced the data for you. You can choose to decipher the data within our field agent app, or you could push it out to uh, great platform partners of ours uh, like FieldView. I'm going to talk FieldView just for, for just for a couple minutes here. I, I, I'm just curious, how does that data actually get from field agent to my field view account or my dad and I's field view account uh, if our retailer's the one that's flying that? Would they, would they have to log in as us in order to do that? So the way that they would do that is there's a permission setting. So they would log in to their field agent account and they would sync those fields up to your fields in field view. Um, it's a couple button pushes one time, but then they're automatically synced. 
So now, once someone would go fly with Field Agent again, if it's the retailer in this case, and they land and they just click upload, it's not only going to upload to Field Agent, it's automatically going to now upload into your Field View account as well. Oh, wow. Okay. That, uh, that sounds like a pretty easy, seamless uh, transfer then. It is extremely easy. If our software people were sitting here, they'd say it's easy now, but it wasn't easy to build. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's for the end user, man, it's super slick. That's the uh, that's the best thing about software, right? Uh, I always say that same thing. It's like, well, it's got to be easy, right, to do this and not realizing all of the uh, programming work that has to go on the backside of that. So When you're the one that doesn't have to do the work, you can always say it's easy. Yeah, exactly. So, Chris, one other one other thing I want to ask you about the weed detection part. So, we've talked about being able to fly and and figure out, you know, the weed pressure within these fields. Um, are you actually identifying the actual weeds that are out there? I mean, are you telling me if I got, you know, horse weeds or lamb quarters or something of that nature out there, or is it just showing the density in between the rows? That's a great question. Uh, the answer is we do both. Um, the most common product that we have in the market today is is truly weed mapping, where we're just saying, here's where you have weeds, here's where you don't. And we actually quantify it with a number. We say there's a thousand weeds over here, there's zero here, there's 50 there. Um, probably the most common product we have in the market today as it relates to our weeds. Uh, but we also are rolling products uh, this year around weed identification. We're able to identify a handful of different weeds, as well as if you have corn and soybeans, for example, because ultimately that is a weed, right? You have to go out there and spray some kind of chemistry to kill the corn. Um, so we actually do both. And I would tell you that I view them as compliments, not you know even the internal competitive where, oh, if I know, you know that it's weed ID, why do I need to know where the densities are. It's really kind of painting the whole picture and it's just going into a larger, you know, data set to help you make more informed decisions. So really, once we move out of the need to spray the crop, there's still other decisions that we need to make throughout that growing season. Down to, you know, do I need to spray a fungicide this year? Uh, It may be, do I need to put late season nitrogen on? What are some of those pieces when we look at some of those late season scouting activities? Uh, where can you know flying these these drones over the fields really help me make those kind of decisions as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, honestly, it's, it even starts earlier in the year. So, understanding you know exactly what you have for a stand helps you make those decisions, right? So. Do I have a good enough crop coming to even justify putting on more nitrogen later or a fungicide application? Um, but what scouting from above allows you to do, and actually teaming up with a company that could tell you what's going on in the imagery, it allows you to make decisions not on a field-by-field basis, but on an acre-by-acre basis. So now maybe a disease is coming in late on 40, 50 acres instead of having to spray fungicide across the whole quarter section, now you can come in and just do that northwest corner, for example. Or maybe from early on in the growing season, when you went out there, you did a you know a scout with a field agent, and you realized, okay, my stand's kind of weak over here in this one section of the field, but it's pretty strong over here. Well, I'm going to come in with a high boy, to your point, and you know put on you know late season nitrogen on 95 percent of the acres, but the other five just I can't justify it this year. That kind of decision making was really not even capable of being done a handful of years ago. You're making field level decisions where now you can make acre level decisions. 
Yeah, those those decisions I think are going to be you know incredibly important this year. I, I know at least for our operation because uh, our our entire nitrogen plan has been flipped upside down, right? Uh, because of all of this rain and and uh, and the cold weather and trying to get in uh, even even post plant, uh, it's been almost impossible to get back into some of these fields. Uh, and that's where Dad and I are, have been having those conversations of how are we going to determine what nitrogen plan we need to go with now, right? And and what are those rates that uh, that we want to put on? Uh, and uh, I'm just thinking maybe I can put that uh, put that drone to use at that point. Well, once again, on the Schaffer farm, so now you went from 600 bushels an acre of corn <laughs> down to 550. Oh, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, you have to put it in perspective. Uh, but all, all kidding aside, honestly, right back to the spring that we're having, I mean, whether we're losing some of the stuff that was already put on from denitrification, could be from leaching, probably more commonly this year from leaching. You know, the nitrogen plans are up in the air. Even guys that, you know, laid the best plans in the fall or even earlier this spring, I mean, things are changing. If you got the bushels coming and the crop looks good, I mean, you got to protect those bushels. And I think guys this year more than other years are going to have to pivot and maybe come in, maybe they're knifing in anhydrous. Maybe they're coming with the high boy late. Maybe they're spreading urea, um, you know, halfway through the growing season. Whatever that is, being able to just have the information to make sound decisions. You know, is there enough plants out here to justify doing this? Where are my current nitrogen levels? What can I do to help this crop? Um, because it's it's not just you know the Schaffer farm in God's country. It's everyone across the nation is is kind of starting to run through these you know questions, these scenarios in their mind, and you know being able to have all of the you know answers is is never going to happen. But trying to stack the deck in your favor and really utilize the technology that you have and partner with the right people. Uh, going back to that team you know, decision-making uh, terminology we were using earlier is going to be pretty crucial. And I, I think that, um, you know, we, we help with that. Well, I know uh, as dad listens to uh, to this podcast, you know, he's going to be uh, uh, laughing sarcastically every time that you uh, call Chaffer Farms uh, God's country and and uh, claiming those. Uh, you'll, have to, you'll have to come down and take a tour one of these days uh, and, and see what it's all about there. So... Well, hey, we have, uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, everything from assessing our planting uh, with, with stand count, going back in, you know, a little later on down the season to understand our, our weed pressure, uh, and then really just looking at, at utilizing this technology to, to really keep an eye on our field throughout the, throughout the entire season. What's, what's really next? You know, what's the, what's the next kind of technology? What's the next wave coming through here that, uh, you know, that maybe, maybe Sentara's working on or, or maybe it's just a, a thought right now of, uh, that, that you're just kind of seeing, seeing what's going to end up progressing. You know, we're always working on a lot of things at Sentara and not just us, the industry as a whole. I mean, it's always evolving, always advancing. Um, and technology is, every year getting to be a bigger and bigger part, you know, just generalizing technology as many different things in agriculture, whether that's technology in the cab, whether it's, you know, app technology, drone technology, you know, what have you, you know, many different things. But at Sentara, what we always focus on is what are the things that on a day in and day out basis 
our customers are concerned with? What are the things that they're doing to help their growers? Or if it's the grower themselves, what are they doing to better that acre? So some of the things that we're coming out with, I mean, we have 20 different analytics that we can run on imagery today. Some of the more impactful ones that are, we'll call them new, um, are we're always releasing more weed identification stuff. So more weeds that we can identify and actually tell you what it is. But some of this nitrogen stuff that we're talking about, we're getting pretty advanced in our ability to be able to see what's actually going on in the field and make really good predictions of, you know, how much you're going to need and, and you know, what are the things that weigh into that. Um, there's some things around, you know, late season stand counts. We do that via counting tassels. Um, so a lot of people are starting to understand that just because you had that early season picture, that stand might have been reduced over the course of the year and being able to identify late in the year what you have from a stand perspective is pretty important for forward contracting grain. I mean, let's get real. Um, come harvest is usually not the most ideal time to be selling grain. If you could do it earlier, that's always better. And then understanding when to go into a harvest. So we actually have a tool within Field Agent that'll help you decipher when fields are starting to mature and help you really with harvest order. This way you can try to even minimize the amount of harvest loss um, from you know the grain drying down too much, shattering the cobs on the, on the corn snouts and it going everywhere. So we're really trying to paint that whole season long picture, whether that's you know, pre-planting all the way through post-harvest, we try to be a tool in the toolbox that comes out at the appropriate time to do the appropriate job. You know, just on that, you know, you're really looking at at flying from planting till till harvest, right? Uh, knowing that time is 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 usually a pretty valuable asset throughout the summertime. How many passes over the field, Chris? Do you think are are obtainable throughout a growing season? <laughs> That is a loaded question. Um, I mean, it just depends. Um, you know, we partner with a lot of agronomists and uh, egg retailers. I mean, that's probably the biggest chunk of our, our clientele out in what we call channel out in the countryside. And what they realize in year one is that, you know, you can really cover a lot of acres. It doesn't really cost that much, but you really need to dedicate someone to doing this and it pays for itself. We partner with a lot of people to show them how to you know, have value-added services for their growers to go drive, you know, decisions, drive value, both from an agronomic perspective and an economic perspective out in the countryside. So, you know, it's so hard to answer. Some people say it's once. I'm flying for stand. I got my value. I'm done for the year. We've got power users that fly 20, 30 times uh, on all of their acres, but they put a lot of time, effort, and energy into it because they see the value. Um, and everywhere in between. So it really just depends. But to your point earlier, I mean, on your dad's farm, uh, you guys don't do your own spraying and you have a team, right? So in your case, you thought that the the retailer would probably come out and fly those acres. That's, you know, a real scenario for a lot of people. So I guess it would really depend on the services that were offered at each retail location. So it's it's kind of a tough question to answer, but hopefully, hopefully that hit it. Well, when you're talking, you know, 20, 30 flights in a, in a season, Fixed wing, I would imagine. Uh, you know, honestly, everything is, is uh, an option. We we work with many different drone manufacturers, whether it's you know vertical takeoff and land helicopter style or you know fixed wing aircraft. Um, that particular cooperative has both. Uh, they, I mean, they just put a huge emphasis on 
scouting, doing it right, and, and they view drones as a tool in the toolbox, just like a crescent wrench or hammer that comes out at the appropriate time. So at the appropriate time, rotocopter comes out, and at the appropriate time, fixed wing comes out. Lots well, of the crescent wrench, duct tape, and baling wire, right? You could fix everything that's, with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's everything. So a good pair of pliers in there too. So, Well, Chris, I really appreciate you stopping by and, and having a discussion with me here and, uh, and kind of taking everybody through, you know, really what this technology looks like. I think it's just an extremely exciting, exciting space. Uh, tell us, where, where can we go get more information at? You know, thanks for having me, Clint. And uh, you can get more information about Centera at www.centera.com. And how about uh, how about yourself? Uh, you know, are, are you are you big on uh, social media? Do you got a handle that uh, that we can follow the the inner thinking of Chris? Yeah, you can follow me at Twitter at uh, Chris Polson. All right, all right. And how would you spell that? K R I S last name P O U L S O N. Well, thanks again, Chris. I'd also like to thank the listeners for joining us on this episode of Around the Farm. And remember, Around the Farm is brought to you by Climate Field View. Join us next time as we continue going through the growing season and talking to industry experts to understand how we can monitor our crop throughout the year. And don't miss any episodes. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, or go out to climate.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you around the farm. Around the farm.